Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. After you've read three notable real estate books that are out there, you pretty much know the ins and outs of what it takes to get a deal done. So at that point, you really need to start diving in and actually taking some action. So don't wait till you read 20, 30, 40, 50 books and listen to every podcast ever done before you actually do a deal. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Daniel Kidd. How you doing, Daniel? Hey, I'm doing all right, man. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Daniel. He's a real estate agent and an investor. He works with Five Pillars Realty Team purchasing properties for investors as well as he purchases his own properties based in Fayetteville, North Carolina. With that being said, Daniel, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes. After I got out of college, I went through about five years in the Army here. That's how I ended up in Fayetteville near Fort Bragg. I started doing a little bit of investing before I got out of the army. I wasn't really planning to get out at the time, but then my agent, Shelby Osborne, she invited me to join her team. So that's when I decided to make the transition out. And pretty much from there, I got my license right away. I had a few properties under my belt, and then I started helping other people kind of do what I was doing. And then I switched over and started doing a couple partnerships with other people on the team. So Shelby and Mike and my brother a few times just buying up small bits of turnkey multi. And I guess that's about where I'm at right now. If you want me to dive a little deeper into any of that or anything, just let me know. I would. And first, thanks for helping us all be safe during the time you're in the Army. And second, you were investing while in the Army. Yes. What gave you that idea to invest while being in the Army? Really, if I had to track it back, I was hanging out with some friends that I grew up with and they were talking about something that I didn't understand. And I really felt outclassed in that moment by them. You know, when you come back for holidays and you meet your old friends and 
it sparked something in me where I knew I had to kind of evolve and start doing something a little bit different. So that's when so your, I... your friends outside of the army were investing when you connected with them, they had already gotten started. Did I hear that right? Yes. They were investing and also they were just in much higher paying jobs and, you know, uh -huh. they were just pointing in figures that were above where I really thought that, and I didn't even realize I thought this way before, but they were above where I thought I ever deserved to be. So mm -hmm. I never even actually envisioned myself making a quarter million dollars a year or something. And when I heard one of my friends I grew up with, you know, since I was like three, four was doing that, it really just woke up something where I was like, I can do this too. I just got to figure out how. So I just started digging into books. And after a few failed attempts that weren't real estate, I really, really got hooked on real estate. What'd you do that wasn't real estate that didn't work? The first thing I did was I tried to build an app with my sister and I found out very quickly that I didn't know much about apps or anything like that. So it got to be much more expensive than I thought it would be going in. I thought I could kind of get like a simple little thing going and improve as I went. And it just did not turn out to be my thing. And then the other well, thing, what was the idea for the app and how much in total did you put into it? I buried about seven in it and walked away from about seven grand that I had put into the project. And I was trying to come up with a way to connect people that needed community service and people that needed community service hours. So they would have an app that would track it. So you could have your hours tracked and all of that stuff via mm -hmm. this app. So it's kind of like a tackler or an Angie's list or something, except without money involved, a little closer to what I was going for. At what point did you identify, I've got to cut bait and run, get out of this? I thought originally I could produce the app across both phone systems for about twenty dollars to $40,000. And then it turned out that it would be eighty per phone platform once it really got down to what I wanted. 80,000 per platform? And again, some apps are much, much simpler. They don't have GPS, they don't have this or that or the other, so they can be a lot cheaper. But this one, just with everything that it would need, would mm. have been about that. So yeah, as soon as I heard the figure 80 for each, that'd be 160 all in, I was like... Uh, <laughs> I was like that, that's a lot of years in the army that you'll be exactly, working off. <laughs> exactly, exactly what you just said. Because I looked at my pay and I right, I'll take half of this, and then it would take me 50 years to pay that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, that's when I decided to get away from and What was the other thing? Amway. Amway. Okay. And I obviously heard of it. Is that insurance Amway? It's network marketing. Uh, I know. Okay. Yeah. I know it's network marketing, but what is the network selling through their marketing? So I guess there's two things they're selling. One, they're kind of set up like most real estate firms where you have profit share. So you're trying to really build people underneath of you and get the profit uh -huh. share going on and then other than that they just have like the excess energy drinks and all of right. products so as long as you buy their product you get excellent yeah. back from the product type of a thing great okay. idea they just need to get coke and fritos and stuff people buy and i think they would really take off but the concepts there is just the product it's tough to sell the product got it all right so you dipped your toe in the water on a couple things and that didn't work out what did you learn from those experiences that you have applied to your first deal? So the biggest things I took with the app, I figured out how to buy a domain name, set up an email account that matches the domain name, just a lot of business things and also crowdsourcing things and a little bit about Facebook ads and how to do Kickstarter. So I picked up a lot of little tips and tricks that I've been able to carry over into different ventures. So 100%, I don't even look at that as a failure so much as just yet another learning period of my life. And it was cheaper than half a semester of college, if you really think about it. 
And then the other one with Amway, Amway has one of the best reading lists out there. Even if you don't want to do Amway, definitely check out their initial startup emailing list. And then if you're not in any type of a sales system, you know, like KW is going to have one or CarMax or any type of dealer is going to have these exact same 30, 60, 90 systems, but you can check out their systems and they, they work for any type of a, a sales industry. So all of the tools that I learned there, uh, 100% legit, love the people. There was a lot of energy. It just wasn't my thing. That's really what it boiled down to. With the systems, I find that really interesting. So Will you elaborate more on how the systems from Amway have helped you with your real estate endeavors? Yes. So it put in my head before I got to real estate, so it really got in there deeper when I saw the exact same system at KW, which is the- Keller the, Williams. Keller Williams, yes. Right. Which was the first firm we were at. So they really had the exact same thing. So you come in and you kind of touch all of the people that you know, and then you touch all the people that you know are on your Instagram, Facebook, social media, anything like that. And then it's about consistently repeating these things across periods of time and meeting these checkpoints. So in your first 30 days, you know, reach out to 30 people a day in order to produce 10 leads. And then maybe you close one type of a thing. So it really helped with structuring the idea of funneling people into a system that you would be able to then convert into actual transactions. Hmm, that is interesting. I totally see the direct correlation there. Okay, so first is touch people you know and who are connected with you on social media. Second is consistently repeating that over time. So reach out to 30 or 50 people per day and then you'll start getting some leads. Are there any tips within that reaching out to people consistently that would be helpful to share? Like the approach you take or how you reach out to them, language you use, messaging, that sort of thing? Yes. So I'm 100% a fan of scripts. There's scripts everywhere. So feel free to download the scripts. Second piece of advice with a script, do not make your script perfect before you dial the phone. Dial the phone first, figure out where you screwed up, move on to the next one. So really a script is something that's going to evolve as you go. So sometimes I'll sit down and I'll, I'll realize that this was earlier on. I was a little bit scared to dial. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. I wasn't the, sure the first words that were coming out of my mouth. So I would <laughs> punch in the number and hit send and uh, just, just wait. So if somebody shows up on the phone, you have to start talking. And you do. You just kind of start feeling out the best ways to approach people, the best things to say up front. And then the key pieces of information you need to walk away with at the end of that call for it really to count as a lead if they are interested. Mm -hmm. So those would be the biggest things. You have to have some way to reach back out, especially with real estate. It's nice if you can set up a time to meet them at a property if they are interested. Got it. So don't have everything written down verbatim, but have an outline for how the conversation should flow and always make sure that you've got some action item agreed upon to follow up with them or meet them somewhere or send them something, whatever the objective is. Exactly. And down the road, you may have a verbatim script that you've come up with. But again, don't wait till you have the perfect script to okay. dial that first number. Really just use the first 10, 20, 30, 40 calls to figure out, do you say hello? Do you say hi? Do you what really flows with you and make sure that you're doing something that you're actually going to say. Cause a lot of these scripts, like when you read them, you're like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. And then you go to say it. This is not how I would ever say this. this <laughs> is very, very weird coming out of my mouth and I'm sure they can hear it too. What dynamic are you using that type of script now in what situation rather are you using that type of script right now for the things you're currently doing? 
And that was a little earlier on. I'm not so much doing the, the cold calls as I used to. Why not? I realized that I was better at hunting for the property than okay. I was at hunting for the person. So I have certain ways that I reach out and I find pools of properties that I can then turn around and pass over to buyers without ever actually having to negotiate. So that's where I really try to find myself is in the middle of groups. So I've got my buyer group, I got my seller group, and I try as much as I can to make sure they're off MLS. So it's less of a, a competition going on there. And then I just try to link them up and see if there's enough room for me in the middle. If you were to look at it as objectively as you could, and you were to look at yourself and your skill set versus someone else and their skill set, and they aren't finding as many properties as you are, what would you say that you're doing differently to accomplish those objectives more so than the other person? So it works smarter, not harder. I see a lot of people and they'll go out there and they're obviously working hard. They're grinding. They might even be driving for dollars or something like that. And that's really where I like to use the leverage of the people that are doing that because a lot of wholesalers, they'll get something under contract and they don't listen to the advice of most of the podcasts where you need your buyer's list before you ever get one under contract because otherwise you're just sitting there holding a property and you have no idea how to offload it. And that's where I really like to come in and help. So instead of me driving for dollars, I like to find all of the wholesalers that are in a given area that I might be working in, reach out to them and just offer to help try to push their listings. And it's just been really, really effective for me. So if you could have 10 or 20 people who were able to tie up one to two properties a month, 50 to 25% of those are something that your buyers are interested in and you can get paid by your buyer and you can sell it for the wholesaler. Everybody walks away happy. And I really haven't had to do that much. The biggest thing that I do is I try to hit as many meetups in my area as I can and just talk to everybody. So going back to what you mentioned earlier, you're the go-between. You need to make sure you have the leads coming in, ideally through wholesaler connections, and then you can deliver on matching up those leads with the buyer. So you're making sure that you have build your buyers list as well. Exactly. And really Shelby helped me out with that more than anything, just because of like the nature of her presence on social media and be part of the team and stuff. It, it pulls in investor buyers all of the time, which is really great. So I don't have to source that. The biggest thing I have to source is the properties. And then I just push them to all of these buyers and just, you know, whatever they want, uh, they can pretty much have off of that list. And I still run MLS drips and listing cards and stuff for people as well, straight off of the MLS. But the off-market deals are the ones that I tend to grab the bigger majority of. Mm -hmm. And can you recall a recent transaction where you worked with a wholesaler and just the numbers on a recent transaction? Yes. Okay. So we actually just closed one. It was pretty funny. One of my friends was coming up here. He's still in the Army. He was starting a course here at Bragg. And the first day he came up, I was like, dude, you have to come see this property. So he's like, all right, whatever, man, I'm not buying it. And we go out there, <laughs> check this out, man. It's a 33-48,000. And he's like, no way. And I was like, yeah, it's 48,000 if you want it. And he's like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so <laughs> um, anyway, the wholesaler had pushed it out at, I, I, I can't remember. It was, I believe, 44, 45, somewhere in there. Uh -huh. So I added about three or 4,000 to it. I, I don't recall. But that's usually where I stay is somewhere around mm -hmm. 4000 per transaction. And then you know, it took about 20, 30 days, but closing cash and it was pretty much turnkey. We have to get a contractor in there to redo the, 
floors and maybe replace the backsliding door. But other than that, it's ready to put a renter in there at about 1100 a month. So that's probably like one of the best ones that I started in 2019. And when you say we have to put a contractor in there, are you still involved in that process? Or when you sell it, then, okay, now you connect them with the property manager, they have their own, they run with it. So just because for one, he's my friend and I know he's super busy with the course, I'm helping him out with that one. Okay. In general though, no, the client would take the reins and kind of run with that. Okay, cool. I was wondering if you all had a property management arm of your company, but you don't have that, right? No, but we do have a property manager that we work very closely with here. And he also works very closely with the contractors that we work with here. So anytime that someone chooses to use the same property management, it does make it a little easier for us to kind of ask for favors, move keys around a little bit easier, just because I'm always meeting with them and the contractors. So I can pass them a key, pass them a check, pass them a lockbox, whatever it may be. I can do the same thing with other property managers and stuff like that. It's just It's not as natural throughout my work schedule to meet up with them. How many deals have you bought for your own portfolio? I have done 42, including partnerships. And then if I divide my percentages out of that, I own 19 of those. Wow. Nice. And I'll ask both sides of this question, by the way, but which deal have you lost the most money on? I don't know. It's not so much that I really had one that I lost a lot of money on. It's just that I realized that you really shouldn't be looking to use the income from a property in year one. I had an HVAC go out on one. I had the ceilings in one of mine go out because the air handler up in the ceiling that it was supposed to, the water was supposed to run out a different valve and it collected and all that moisture came down through one of the bedrooms. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things we've had to deal with. All the properties still cash flowed in that given year. It was just pretty small. And now they're operating really well once you can kind of control it. The only thing that's really hurt me was just with tenants that I didn't place. So when you inherit a tenant, those have really been my only bad ones, which is why I do love my current property management because they tend to put in pretty good tenants. But yeah, those first couple of tenants that I had inherited, I don't know if they talked to each other, but I had two of them. (laughs) They both left in the night and they both took the front door and threw it in the yard. (laughs) I was like... I don't even know what to do it's with that. It's too I mean, much it, of a coincidence. How far <laughs> away are the properties from each other? Oh, it was a quad. So it was the same. Oh, yeah. They, they got that idea from each other. I don't know. Yeah, they definitely collaborated on that exercise. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> It wasn't great. a deal. We just went and screwed it back in and it was fine. But yeah, I just thought it was <laughs> kind of funny. There's some symbolism there too. If I was trained in psychology a little bit more, I, I, I'm sure there's something a little bit deeper there for them throwing the front door into the front yard. Well, when you take a look at your portfolio, what's the best performing property that you've got? The one that I bought with my brother up in Virginia is probably the best performing. It kind of has all the advantages and some of them you realize until you're going into other deals. But we were able to get a seller finance deal on six units up there. And then we were able to immediately raise the rents by about $100 a door. So what was already cash flowing, we just went one up. And the only issue we had with it was that one ceiling repair we had to do in that bedroom. So that one actually has done very, very well for me. And then another one is kind of close at its heels. And that's just because I mixed short and long-term renters. So in that quad, in the unit that I was no longer living in, I started to Airbnb it out. And that really took what was a, an okay return and really boosted it. 
that unit outperforms any of the other two units and almost the other three. You said seller financing. Is that something that you proposed or were they already offering that? No, he was already offering that. He was also an attorney and a a real estate investor himself. So it actually saved us a lot on closing costs. He is one of the few, well, actually, I should say the only attorney that's ever read every word of every document to me. It was the longest closing I've ever had in my life. However, I actually got he, to- what? He read oh, every yeah. word of every oh, document yes. at the closing oh, table? Yes, he did. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is either the worst or the best thing ever because I was still pretty new to the game and I was like, okay, so he's kind of explaining things as we go. But he more or less hit the high points. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a, how long did that take? There's a lot About of pages. Two and a half hours, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never heard of that. I had been to a closing earlier that day. So the first property I ever bought oh, yeah. that morning in North Carolina, I bought a duplex down there. I used a POA to sign for him. And then I drove up to Virginia to sign with him. I thought it would go pretty quick. We go out to dinner. I got there maybe like 530. It was like 815 or something when we left. And we were just like, Dude, let's just go home. <laughs> <laughs> it took forever. Oh my gosh. With that seller financing, what are the terms of the financing? 6%, 30-year AM, but with a three-year balloon. So we're going to plan to refi out of that here sometime in the next year. Mm-hmm. What did you buy it for? 450 and we had to put about 50 down. Okay. What do you think it's worth now that you've raised the rent? I'd actually have to run the numbers on that one again. My brother kind of takes care of most of the books and properties up in Virginia, whereas I'm kind of more in the weeds on the ones down in here okay. in North Carolina. Fair enough. So we're not sure if we're going to refinance them individually. So it'd be two residentials with the quad and a duplex or whether we're going to put them together into a commercial refi. So the commercial refi, we could probably actually pull a little money out with mm-hmm. how high the rents are because we're right around, I believe, 900 for the smaller units and 1100 for the larger units, somewhere in that realm. Mm-hmm. And that really should put us somewhere closer to like the, the 600,000 range if we do it commercial. Going back to the way you approach the buyers and the wholesalers, or you have a buyer's list and you have a wholesale list, why not instead go find your own listings and make more money per deal and do less deals by making your commission? I think it's just all about the system that I have. So with the transaction coordinator, the biggest piece that I do is get a meeting of the minds. So after the meeting of the minds, I can kind of leverage that piece of it over until if we do an inspection, if there's any type of retrading going on or anything like that, I step back in. But other than that, the the deal at that point should pretty much go on to close. And I can focus on the other deal, focus on gathering these bunches as opposed to seeking out individual property to go ahead and try to negotiate it. Now, I'm not knocking that. And if if I move cities, I think I'm in lieu of getting a real estate license, I will likely start wholesaling. And I'll still use the same tactic of helping other people push their listings and stuff like that, which most of them actually love it. In fact, I'd say all of them love it, especially if you're able to provide a transaction coordinator just because a lot of wholesalers don't actually know a lot of the things to do or even the attorneys that they need to go to in order to make the deal happen and allow themselves to get paid from the deal. So I try to bring all of that. I really don't have a great reason for not going out and trying to find my own wholesale listings or just listings in general, which I do standard real estate listings when they do come up. But again, the biggest thing is just finding that group 
find a way to systemize and monetize it, and then move on from there. We're going to do a lightning round, but first got to ask you the question, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? <laughs> best real estate investing advice ever. Man. Or something that you've learned on a recent transaction that you tucked away and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to make sure I do that again or noted. One of the biggest things I would avoid at this point would be fire properties. Those caused me some of the bigger headaches. We still were able to close a number of them, but just looking back, trying to get insurance on a fire property prior to the close has been one of the more difficult struggles of actually getting the property to close. And the only other thing would be, and this is just for those people who kind of have analysis paralysis and they want to overdo everything before they ever do their first deal. After you've read three notable real estate books that are out there, you pretty much know the ins and outs of what it takes to get a deal done. So at that point, you really need to start diving in and actually taking some action. So don't wait till you read 20, 30, 40, 50 books and listen to every podcast ever done to, before you actually do a deal. Now we're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right. First, quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. Best ever resource that you use that you couldn't live without? Honestly, I might be screwing up this question. I'm sorry. Oh, just like a website that you always reference or... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, resource, no, an, app, an app that you... You're an army guy, so maybe you're thinking like water or food or something. No, I'm talking about like apps on your phone or, or something else. Yes. So one of the big ones that a lot of the wholesalers are using is the deal machine. And that helps me out because they're actually able to push certain listings over to me as well. To include with that, I actually just love the, uh, the Zillow app. It probably gets one of the worst reps out there as far as Zillow. Don't use estimates. Everybody kind of makes fun of estimates. But it, it does show what has sold and how much it sold for in a given area. And it would also give you tax information. And it will give you usually a lot of really good information. So Zillow is probably one of the, the biggest ones I use. And probably one of the more obscure ones that I use would be called Carl's Mortgage Calculator. So that's my favorite one if I need to come up with on the fly what a monthly payment or something would be if I'm not using like the real quick multiply by six rule and I want like a real number then I use uh, Carl's mortgage calculator best ever book you've recently read that would definitely be the Burr book by bigger pockets I really enjoyed that book of course I got the shirt but that book was really great what's the best ever way you like to give back to the community I really like to offer what I know to anybody that's trying to get into this game. So one of the ways that I do that is I came up with a list of action steps. And it's one of the first resources that I try to give anybody who wants to be an agent, a wholesaler, an investor, anything like that. It really kind of travels across all realms, much like the 306090 does for sales businesses. The action steps 
will get anybody set up and ready to invest in a 60-day period. And how can the best of the listeners learn more about what you're doing? The easiest way would be to probably just follow Five Pillars Realty on Instagram. There's a lot of posting that we do there and they can also reach out to me. And especially if they're here, I'm more than happy to meet with anybody. Daniel, enjoyed our conversation. I think it's really smart the way you're working with wholesalers and they're already doing a lot of the work, a lot of the marketing. You're doing work too. I'm not trivializing that, but you have a lot of people out there working to get their own deals and then you help them connect the dots and add value to their life. So you're eliminating a big part of the process through those partnerships. As you said, it's working smarter, not harder. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Joe.